All right, well, how many of you would say that, uh, that fall is your favorite season? Any fall people out there? You do know what comes after fall, don't you? But, but you're, you, still, you still like fall? All right, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna withdraw that, you still, you still like it. Uh, pumpkin pie? Those, you know those, you know those pies at Costco, the bit, the pumpkin pies? I could get lost in one of those for hours. In fact, I think I did yesterday. What else? Pumpkin spice latte? That's just wrong. Drink your coffee black. What else? What else do we like about fall? I guess that's it. Um, you know, thinking of uh, routine and getting back into things, I uh, met several folks this morning. It uh, seemed like, you know, that I hadn't seen in a little while. And, uh, and it's great to see people getting back into routine. That's awesome. We have a Christian school here, the Moncton Christian Academy. And <laughs> eagles! See, perfect place for an eagle. Up there in the nest, the eagle's nest. We could, we could call that section the Eagle's Nest right there. Uh, go Eagles! And uh, school got back in on Tuesday, and most of our staff were here, and the building was just humming with life and traffic and people and uh, energy and all that. And so it's good just to get back. Every fall, as you've heard a couple of times this morning, we do a, a, like a kickoff kind of series and uh, to help us get back in the groove with all of our programs and our ministries and things that are aimed at helping us grow spiritually. And uh, summer, was, summer was awesome. It was great. I know, I know technically summer's not quite done yet, um, but it's time now to ramp things back up and get going again. And I love, 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 love that our theme for kickoff this fall is love, my city. I just think that's awesome, and I love it, and I'm excited about it, and I'm excited for this season of our church, and that we're doing a series all about the ways that we can actually be the church and love our city and our communities, right? When, we, when, you, when you hear me say the word city, I'm talking about, you know, greater Moncton for as far as our people can possibly drive, uh, but I'm talking about our communities and our neighbors in ways that will make a difference for Jesus. It's no good to just be a big church for an hour on Sunday if we're not going to love our city the rest of the week, right? If we're not going to be a loving church the whole rest of the week. So love will grow a church faster than anything. I mean, if I was visiting a church, and uh, if I was looking for a church, which you're not, you found one, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to help you find another church. But if, if there was a church that embraced me, if there was a church that loved me, if there was a church that just accepted me, if there was a church that was more than just um, surface friendly and, or just friendly with each others, but a church that just was just full of love, I'd, I'd want to go to that kind of a a church. So if you're new here at Moncton Wesleyan, uh, you've come at a great time. Uh, we are not perfect. You've also heard that a couple of times today. We are not a perfect church. And if, you, if you're looking for a perfect church, you'll never find a perfect church. Even if you stay home at the first church of me, myself, and I, you'll eventually have a church split, and that will hurt. <laughs> so so there, are no, there are no perfect churches. You know, there just, they're just there aren't. Um, but we're doing our best to honor God with the vision that he's given us to be people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. Churches, you know this, churches 
can become known for a lot of things and not all of them good. We could play, uh, when we're not, this is rhetorical, we could play uh, word association here for a little bit where I call out uh, the name of a church and, and you could tell me exactly what X church is known for, right? I mean, some churches are known for a specific angle of their preaching and they just, they just preach that angle week after week after week uh, or an angle to their theology. Some are known for a, for a personality. Some have uh, big personality pastors, a well-known pastor. Um, we're, not, we're not that church. You didn't know who I was until I told you my name here a few minutes ago. We're, we're not that church. Um, some are known for very negative, hurtful things and everyone in the community knows it. Some are known for their architecture or their facilities. I remember the first time that I visited Saddleback Church. I've been there a couple of times now. And uh, you, you exit off the interstate onto Saddleback Parkway. They have their own exit off the interstate. It takes you nowhere but to the church. They have their own exit off the interstate. I mean, thank you. Does that not blow anybody else's mind? Like, how do you convince the state of California to give you a, an exit? So you take, you take Park, uh, Saddleback Parkway, and you, hey, Balcony, how you doing up there? Take Saddleback Parkway, and you exit off uh, into their, their property, and you, you can't park anywhere near the church, of course. You park in another zip code, and you get on a shuttle. It's like Disney. You get on a shuttle that takes you into the main campus. And I get off the shuttle, and <laughs> it, was, it was a combination of awe and defeat. And I was just like, this place is awesome. This place is blowing my mind. And my ministry is just, uh, just like, oh, it's so small. Like, you just feel like, wow, what in the world am I doing? And uh, anyhow, I get over that. And it was, you know, you don't feel insignificant for long, but I get over it. Um, by the way, you know, I don't, we don't need our own, we, we've got our own off-ramps here on St. George and Wheeler and all that. But what I would like to have, seriously, if someone would like to donate these, I'd like a couple of those, um, you know those golf carts that just keep going, they're extended? Anyone? Yeah? You know those things? I'd like two or three of those limo golf carts with, with, um, with chains on the tires. I, I know where we live. And in the winter and in the rain, when people are parking out at McNaughton and they're parking at the back of the lot, I'd like to be able to pick people up and buzz them up to the front door. So if someone would like to buy us a couple of those, uh, we, we, would, we would take it. That'd be great. Uh, I'll talk to you right after church. Thanks. Appreciate that. We get, we, gang, we get to choose and define and actually live out what we want Moncton Wesleyan to be known for. More than our facility... God has given us a great facility uh, that we need to pay for, by the way. We're working on it. And more than our productions and our ministries and our, and our programs, and definitely more than the personality of our pastor, what if we were known for our love? What if we were known for our love? The way that we genuinely, unconditionally, lavishly, generously pour out our love, the love of Jesus on others. If when someone mentions our church, if someone's talking about Moncton Wesleyan Church, that the first thing that they have to say is that those people love others. 
That the first thing that would come out of their, their mouths would just say, that, Moncton Wesleyan Church, that, I, don't, I don't want people to say that's a, that's a big church or that's a, this church or that church. I want people to say, that's a loving church. Those people really know how to, how to love a city and how to, how to love others. They can talk about our music, and our music is awesome. They can talk about our, our coffee. They can talk about the pastor doesn't wear a suit, whatever. But, but that they, they wouldn't be, people wouldn't be able to talk about us without talking about our love, that we would just be known for our love in our city. And you can't do that by hearing a sermon. You can only do that by meeting a Savior. Only if, if Jesus has radically got a hold of your life. Well, here's something dangerous. You won't believe this, but I'm preaching, so this is the truth. I tried to go a whole week without Starbucks last week. Yes, those of you who know me, right? Jesus is coming soon. Like, what in the world? And uh, I made it from Sunday till Friday. And the only reason I, I went Friday morning is because uh, my brain for writing, for sermon writing, just works really, really well. I, people are coming and going, and I'm thinking, how would this, would this sermon make sense to that person? Would it, would, you know, what would they, if they came to church Sunday morning, would this be helpful to them and I just really like the environment and I work well in chaos. I don't, I don't need total silence uh, to work. So anyhow, I'm there and uh, or, or, yeah, so I went from Sunday till Friday and by, by Tuesday, Wednesday, my body was not happy and uh, which makes you wonder like what is in that stuff? And anyhow, and I wasn't sleeping and uh, I was up like most of one night and then the, the next night, I mean, I knew I've really, I have to sleep tonight. And so the way that I fell asleep was thinking about all the people who I know are praying for me. Isn't that a good way to go to sleep? And I could, you know, yeah, I could, and I could picture people literally saying, Pastor, I'm praying for you, people who I know. Some of you are sitting right here. And I just, I just kept pl- pl- roll, playing that tape. I just kept rolling that thing that was on the rotisserie, just going over and over and over Pastor, we're, we love you. We're praying for you. The next morning, uh, Thursday morning, oh, Joyce Gilder. Hi, Joyce. Joyce leads our seniors program here and is doing an amazing job with the seniors ministry at Buncton Wesleyan Church. <laughs> Joyce had about 80 seniors here for breakfast on a Thursday morning. And, uh, and I saw some of those people who were praying for me. And I hugged them. And I thanked them. And I told them I loved them. And I, and I want us to do, like, I, I just feel like, you know, we've got to be more determined to love one another. I, uh, you know, I, I, this, we're, I know it's kind of deep. We're going to come out of this in a second here. I know it's kind of mushy. Some of the guys are getting really like, oh, can he change the subject? <laughs> can we talk about football? Oh, that's another thing for fall. Football's back, yeah. <laughs> see the guys, see, <laughs> see the guys got to get that out. <laughs> okay. But, okay, tender moment. Back to the tender moment just for a minute. In the last few years, I've lost my father and my brother, and I've just been more determined than, other, other, and more determined than ever to just tell people, you know what, I love you. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to do that. So if you invite someone to church and the pastor creeps them out, now you know why, okay? Now you know why, because I, I might... <laughs> it makes me feel... Okay. Um, love you too, Shirley. The Pharisees were always trying to trap Jesus. And when they asked him to rank all of God's commands and pick one that was the most important, 
Jesus chose love. And, and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. When, the, when they said, you know, what's, what's most important? If we could boil it all down to, to just one, like what would you say? And Jesus, his reply was love. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and, and, that's not all, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. In John chapter 21, the resurrected Jesus appears to the disciples. They're out fishing, and uh, Jesus calls them in, and they have breakfast on the shore so that he could show them, I'm not a hallucination. Hallucinations don't eat breakfast. Um, And so they're having breakfast there on the shore, and after breakfast, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And Peter, Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus asked Peter the same question three times. Peter, do you love me? And every time Peter answers with, with intensity and he says, Lord, you know I love you. And each time Jesus tells Peter, to, he replies to him, if, well, if that's true, then feed my lambs or take care of my sheep. Now, either Jesus was a really bad farmer or there's something else here for us to learn. <laughs> Jesus is making sure that Peter is clear. Clear that he, that he loves Jesus first, more than anyone, more than anything, above all others. And that he wants Peter, the rock that he's building his church on, to go and love others. Feed my sheep, care for my lambs, care for my flock. Feed them, take care of them, love them. Now, jump ahead with Peter to A.D. 64. Peter is in Rome, and Nero is in Rome. Nero is about to lose his mind, and Peter is about to lose his life. Now keep this backdrop in mind. We're going to read our text this morning from a letter that Peter wrote from Rome while all hell was breaking loose in Rome. Nero is about to burn down the city and blame it on the Christians. Peter is writing this letter to encourage believers how to live in a messed up world, how to respond under persecution, how to demonstrate the love of Jesus to anyone and everyone under all circumstances. It's 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 7. 1 Peter 4, begin reading in verse 7. But Peter says this, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. I'll be over after lunch. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Peter in verse 7 says, The end of the world is coming soon. Well, that's a happy thought. The end of the world is coming soon. That, that could be alarming if it weren't for the fact that it was written over 2,000 years ago. And, and Peter wasn't telling everyone, you know, to go sell everything you own and go sit in the field and stare at the sky. 
He's saying that, that everything that was needed to be accomplished to prepare the way for the return of the king had been accomplished. Jesus was here. He fulfilled the prophecies. He was crucified. He died. He kicked hell and death in the teeth, and he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And now, Peter says, on this side of all of those events, we should live as though Jesus could return at any moment. Have you ever had one of those days where you thought, now would be a good time for Jesus to return? <laughs> you can come today, Jesus, that would be perfect, you know, right before an exam that you haven't prepared for. Like, God help me, Lord, just break the sky open right now. This would be a good time. Or a big meeting with the boss, you know, when the boss calls and says, I want to meet with you next week. And you're like, you mean I got to sit on that for a whole week and wonder why you want to meet with me? You know, or uh, an impossible deadline or a payment that was due and you didn't have the money. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Right now, this would be a perfect time for the return of the king. And the New Testament doesn't seem overly concerned with knowing when Jesus will come back. But it is concerned with how we live until he comes back. Did you catch that? It's not overly concerned with when he'll come back, but it is concerned with how we live until Jesus comes back. How do you want to be living, and what do you want to be known for when Jesus returns? And there's an urgency in Peter's writing. I mean, I, I wonder if he, if he wrote it in all capital letters. Rome is coming apart at the seams, and he's not sure how far this persecution of the Jesus followers will reach. And so he sends this letter telling everyone to get their lives in order because none of us knows how much time we have left. None of us knows how much time we have left. Then he, he, he shifts to, to the second part of the verse. He's therefore, or since, or because Jesus is coming soon, or because the end of the world is coming soon, Peter says, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Now, if you were, if you just start asking people, you know, uh, what they would do or how they would live if they knew the world was coming to an end in a couple of weeks. Like if we knew that we've all got two weeks to live, what would people do? Some people would empty their bank accounts and go straight to Vegas. I mean, if it's all over and nothing matters, later, right? And they're headed to Vegas. Some would, some would travel and see some of the sights around the world that they've, that they've always wanted to see. Uh, some would hunker down with family and just, and just enjoy family time together for, for two weeks. Peter says that desperate days call for disciplined prayer. Desperate days. If it's true that Jesus is coming back, Peter says that desperate days call for disciplined prayer, earnest, urgent, focused, passionate, disciplined prayer. What did Jesus do the night before the crucifixion? He went to Gethsemane, to the garden, and Luke says that he prayed fervently until his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. So you would think that, that prayer is the most important. Next slide. Most important of all. Continue to show deep love. 
So Peter's echoing what Jesus said. When the Pharisees pushed Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment of all? Peter's echoing that, and he's saying, most important of all. He's saying, I learned this on a beach, having breakfast with the resurrected Jesus, when he looked me in the whites of my eyes, and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter writes with urgency, and he says, most important. I mean, that should have just been in all capital letters, most important of all. Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers over a multitude of sins. The word that Peter used here, um, continue, means a constant love. Continue to practice. Make this your lifestyle, your way of life, your trademark. Be known for this. Whatever you do, don't stop loving. Ramp up your, your love for each other, your love for others. You have to pray. You have to pray hard. Peter mentioned that. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayer. You have to engage in disciplines of growth that keep you locked in on Jesus. But when Peter says most important of all, I mean, I'm paying attention. What is, what is Peter, the rock that Jesus built the church on, what is Peter going to say next? And he talks about love. The Bible, the Bible is a love story. It's a love story. It's God's pursuit of us, his created. We were designed to worship. We were created for love. It's, it's woven deep into your DNA. Where, where, does, where does the desire to love others come from? Do you ever think about that? Like, like just, if, if, you, if, you, if you have someone in your life who you love, like, what generates that? Where's that coming from? God hardwired it into our very beings. Why does our heart search for something higher that, that we can love or something higher that we can worship. It's because there is a God of love, a loving creator who put all of this into motion. He knew you before your parents met. Think about that. Don't think about it for too long. He knit you together in your mother's womb. The reason you exist is to enjoy a love relationship with the God who loves you. That's the reason that you exist. So many people are, are searching, for, searching for love, searching for meaning, excuse me, while I have a drink. So many people, life doesn't make sense, and they have no hope. And the answer for no hope is to K-N-O-W, capital H-O-P-E. The answer for no hope is to know hope. Not my daughter, Hope. Uh, although she is pretty special. But Jesus is the hope of the world. And the answer for no hope is to know hope. It's to know Jesus. Hope is found in Jesus. If God is love, if Jesus is God's gift of love to us, for God so loved the world, and if the ministry and the teachings of Jesus are centered around themes of loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself, it seems as though to me that the Christian life must be a life of love, a life of love towards God, a, love, a life of love towards each other, and a life of love to the whole world, to our city, to our neighbors, to our community. We have to live a life of 
of love, if God is a God of love, if Jesus is his gift of love, if, if that's all true, then we should be a people known for our love. We have an opportunity, Moncton Wesleyan, to, to do love better than anyone. We can out-love the world. It's our opportunity <laughs> to love our city, our communities in genuine ways that blow away the stereotypes and break down all the barriers. I have a friend in Fredericton named Sylvain. Sylvain's an Acadian. I love Canadians. Sylvain is tall, chiseled, and bald, just like me. I am six foot and bald, and that's it. Um, he's former Navy, and when I met him, he had a very significant role, a security role, with the province of New Brunswick. And I remember when Sylvain came to faith in Jesus. And I asked him, because he'd been attending church for a long time, was, came with his wife every week, and one Sunday he, he, he made, he made a, a, a public declaration of faith. He came to Christ. And afterward, I asked him, Sylvain, what happened? Like, why today? Like, why now? Like, what's going on? And he said, you know what, Pastor? When, when I saw the church uh, starting to, to do outreach in the city, when I saw the church loving others, looking for nothing in return, when I saw people just going and serving the least, he said, that's what I thought. I always thought that's what Jesus would do if he was here right now. And he said, that's, that's when I saw Jesus. And I decided to follow him. It's powerful, very powerful. This is, um, Pastor Graham, this verse right here, most important of all, continue to show deep love for, love for others. Love covers a multitude. This could be the theme verse for, I'm not saying it has to be, but it could be, it could be like the theme verse uh, for outreach um, in, the, in this coming year at Moncton Wesleyan. And a couple of key words here, continue and deep, continue and deep. Let's focus on those for a minute. If you are continuing in something, you are staying on the same path, you are constantly going in the same direction, uh, it's not a one-time deal. It's not, here's a, here's a free bottle of water, see you in heaven. It's not, a, it's not one of those drive-by blessing things, right? It's, it's, if you're continuing in it, it's the way that you live your life for the rest of your life. And for a church like Moncton Wesleyan, it can't be just an event once in a while. It has to be the very DNA of our church. It has to pour out of us all the time. It can't be a, a switch. You know, we just throw the love switch once in a while. It can't be a switch that's, that's off and on. Um, we follow Jesus. We listen to Jesus. We live like Jesus. We do what Jesus would do. We care for the widows. We care for the orphans. We care for the, the sick and the poor. And we don't walk to the other side of the street. We are good Samaritans. We are our brother's keeper. We love others. And we stay on that path continually. You've got to continue on that path. You should be running laps around the church right now, Graham, because that's what you're here for, is to help us continually love our city. Um, Rebecca hasn't seen you run probably in years. All right, all right. Oh, don't worry. He's okay. He's all right. Verse 7, but that's not all. Deep, deep. Peter talks about deep. Peter says to love continually and to show deep love for each other. It can't just be a surface love. It can't be a drive-by love. The word that Peter used here for deep is the word, it's a Hebrew word, and it's the, I'll get out of the way, you can see it here. Oh, you can see it on the big screen anyhow. It's the Hebrew word to home. 
And to home means the depths of the ocean. I don't know if you've seen recently, but, but scientists are going to the, the bottom of the ocean, places where they have never been before, right? And they, they've got all this technology to help them see what's there at the bottom of the ocean. Have you, ever, have you ever seen pictures of the stuff they're finding down there in the deepest depths, the darkest places? I mean, it's, 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 they're finding life. It's weird life. I mean, everything they find down there, we've never seen anything like it before. It's, it's amazing, and it, it's, just, it's just crazy, and it's, it's awesome. And, and church, there is life in the deep. I want you to hear that this morning. There is life in the deep. And what all of us do, we're all, what most humans do, yeah, I said most instead of all, what a lot of people do is they keep their sharks at the surface. And they don't want you to see the deep in their life. And, and they, they keep the, the sharks and the predators and everything up at the surface area of their lives. And people can be prickly at first. Don't, don't elbow anyone. And hard to get through because they don't want you to see what's at the deepest depths of their lives. But there is life in the deep. And it might look hideous at first, but it's a soul that Jesus died for. And Jesus wants to redeem the deep. He wants to redeem those deep places. He's not afraid of the deep. And the key to reaching the deep for Jesus is to love continually like Jesus. That's it. And if you just stay at a surface level, you'll never get past a person's sharks. But if you love them like Jesus and you love them continually, uh, they'll eventually, you'll get into some of the, you'll keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And there's life there. Verse 8. The second part of that verse, for love covers a multitude of sins. Multitude of sins is the stuff laying in the deep, hiding in the dark. That's why you often hear me say, spend some time. In fact, Pastor Tapper did this in, in, in uh, communion this morning. Spend some, some quiet time listening to God and allow the Holy Spirit to surface. To surface those things that are in the deep in your life, those things that need to be brought into the light and they need to be dealt with peter is seeing people far from god drawn to the light of jesus because of an unconditional love peter has found this to be true he says you know what you can love people in such a way that they'll come out of the deep and be drawn to the light of jesus christ he says love covers over a multitude of sins And it's hard to argue with love. Love can break down any wall. And he's not saying that our love has the power to forgive sin or cancel sin or hide sin. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. But he's saying that love has the power to to overlook things. Love has the power to, to restore any relationship. And love puts us in our place at the foot of the cross. It's the great equalizer. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. We're no better than anyone else. I thought I'd get a big amen there, but is it hard to say out loud? Like, we're all sinners in need of God's grace. Love is the equalizer. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. Saved people serve people. And if you've experienced the deep, deep, continual love of Jesus in your life, then show Continue to show the deep, deep, continual love of Jesus to others. 
Proverbs 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Verse 9. Let's read verse 9. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Now, don't forget Peter's context. The world is coming unglued all around him, and he doesn't know how much time anyone has left. And in light of that urgency, he urges followers of Jesus to cheerfully... Am I the only one to brush my teeth this morning? (laughs) To cheerfully share their homes and their meals with anyone who has need. What would Jesus do with Syrian refugees? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus encourage his followers to do with Syrian refugees? Not reluctantly or begrudgingly, but cheerfully. A refugee crisis is an opportunity for the church to be the church. Did you see one picture I saw, uh, a clip, I think it was a clip that I saw, of people going to a train station that the train was going to come in and it was filled with Syrian refugees. And so people were going there and taking off, taking their shoes and, and leaving their shoes in the train station So when the Syrian refugees got off the train, there were shoes there waiting for them. Is that powerful? Don't look at my socks. Jesus told us in Matthew 25, whatever you do for the least of these, you've done for me. And saying no to a refugee is closing the door on Jesus. Now, I'm not making a a political statement about what I think Canada should do. I'm making a biblical statement on what I think Christ followers should do. Now, three things I want to leave you with this morning. Number one, maybe, maybe today what you need to do is let the love of God flow to the deepest places of your life. Over your deepest wounds, over your darkest sins, over those things that you've been protecting by sharks for a long time, and just say, God, you can go there. Shine the light of your truth and I won't hold anything back. And if there's anything there that you need to surface, bring it up into the light of your, of your holiness, surface it, and let's, let's deal with it. Another one, pray that God will help you, us, all of us, but, but, but let's make it personal this morning. Pray that God would help me. God, help me to live a lifestyle of love 
towards everyone. And everyone means everyone. Helping to love others towards Jesus. And lastly, this morning, maybe you're here today and you, you just don't know the love of Jesus, of God in your life. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with him. It's an emptiness in your life. Maybe you, you even recognize, you know what, I, I, I realized I was created for something higher and I, I've just never taken that step to trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And uh, we would love to pray with you this morning and going to ask you to do something uh, quite bold. And uh, we, we do this because we want to uh, encourage you and cheer you on and pray for you as a church. We also do it because we, uh, we want to know when someone makes the decision to follow and accept Jesus Christ. But if, if you're here today and you have never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior, and God is churning all of this in your heart right now and you realize, yeah, today's the day. I'm going to stand on my feet and uh, invite Jesus to be Lord of my life. If that's you, uh, would you stand to your feet right now, and then I'll, the congregation will cheer, and then I'll lead you in a prayer, and then we'll uh, continue to worship. Is there anyone here this morning who'd like to stand to their feet and say, Pastor Tim, today is my day. I'm going to stand up, and I'm, I'm choosing to accept Jesus Christ. I'm choosing to follow him in my life. pray together. Lord, I just thank you again for your, your faithfulness, your goodness to us, how you're working in our hearts and in our lives and in this church. And I pray for those right now, God, who are allowing you into the depths of their soul, the depths of their memory, the depths of their lives, and the things that they've um, kept hidden. And uh, they're allowing you to surface those things. I pray that you'd be with them. Be with each one of us, Lord, as a church. May we be known as a church, a group of people who genuinely love our communities. Help us to love others towards the light of Jesus. And be with anyone here this morning, Lord, who comes a little bit closer to faith in Jesus every week. And I just pray that you would give them an urgency about that that your Holy Spirit would continue to work in their life. Thank you for these things in Jesus' name.